Welcome back to Quick Bits. It's been a minute and we have a lot to talk about from the Murdoch verdict and sentencing, the jurors speaking out, and to everything that I covered the week of March 6th to the 10th. So let's just get into it. I'm legal analyst Emily D. Baker. This is the Quick Bits, where I break down just the main points of the pop culture and entertainment cases I'm currently covering on YouTube and the Emily Show podcast. Let's get into it. Traveling put me a bit behind, so I missed some of our weekly updates on the Murdoch trial. Now that we're after the fact, let me know if you still want those. We can build them in as some extra quick bits, but I wanted to make sure we got caught up as we move forward. So at the end of six weeks of trial, the Murdoch case came to a conclusion with the jury coming back with a late verdict in just a matter of hours. They convicted Alec Murdoch of all counts. That means the murder of Maggie and Paul plus using a weapon in the murder of Maggie and Paul. Shockingly enough, that night the court's like, well, we're not going to move to sentencing today and then ask the attorneys if they needed some time to proceed to sentencing. The prosecution said, we'll be ready at 930 tomorrow. And the defense said, that works for us. So he was sentenced the day after. Because this was a death penalty eligible case and the prosecution chose not to pursue it, he was facing over 70 years to life, but also life counts without parole on both murders. And it seemed likely at the end, if he was convicted, that that's what he was going to be sentenced to. So we saw no victim impact statement, very brief statements from the attorneys, a very brief statement from Alec Murdoch, where he said that he was innocent and he would never hurt Maggie and Paul Paul. And then a much more in-depth statement from the court which is appropriate and expected at sentencing that the court gives their position because they need to justify their sentence on the record and explain why they are sentencing the way they are sentencing. Judge Newman called Alec Murdoch's behavior in court duplicitous and made note that his family had controlled justice in that county for over a hundred years and also made note that many had come before that courtroom and received the death penalty for less. It was a very strong statement by Judge Newman before sentencing Alec Murdoch to two consecutive life counts. Afterwards, at a press conference, the defense said that they would appeal, and that notice of appeal has been filed. The appeal brief that lays out their arguments will come some months down the road, and of course, I'll be covering it. And because this case has no chill, the jurors spoke out to the media almost immediately. What we saw from all of the jurors' statements, and I'll link the video below where I cover some of those jurors' statements, we saw that the kennel video and Alec Murdoch's own testimony mattered tremendously to this jury. They did not believe his emotion. One juror saying he was turning it off and on, and they believed that the lies about being at the kennel were substantial in this case. All the jurors that were asked said that Alec Murdoch testifying was a bad idea. Clearly, they did not believe him and thought him capable of these murders. Moving on from Murdoch and back into the world of reality television, after the verdict came in, the scandal broke. And I confessed all over social media, I have not watched Vanderpump Rules. I am now knee-deep in binge-watching so I can catch up. But I covered the temporary restraining order that Raquel sought and was granted against Sheena. A reminder, a temporary restraining order is based on what the party says. They swear it under oath, but it's not evaluated in open court by a judge. 
in a more thorough fashion. That will be done in this case on March 29th if Raquel chooses to continue to pursue the temporary restraining order, though oftentimes, like in the Johnny Depp case, we see that they just get dropped. Raquel is alleging that Sheena punched her in the left eye after a Watch What Happens live taping somewhere after one o'clock in the morning in New York. She sought medical treatment at Urgent Care in California for that and attached those documents to the temporary restraining order, the document itself and the photos that I went over in my longer content link below. Then we saw a statement from Sheena's attorney saying, quote, Sheena never punched Rachel, period. The supposed dark marks around her left eye have been there for months. Neither Sheena nor other cast members want anything to do with Rachel going forward. The judge has only heard a one-sided account of what happened, and we look forward to presenting the full and true story at the March 29th hearing. So we will definitely be seeing more from this and more, I'm sure, from the cast. Moving on, I covered the mischief Bad Spaniels Jack Daniels Supreme Court case. This brief is probably one of my favorite amicus briefs that I have ever read. It was clever. It made good legal arguments and it was entertaining. If you have not been following the Bad Spaniels case, the Bad Spaniels is a chewy toy that looks like a bottle of Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels took issue and sued. It went up through the courts. And the question the Supreme Court has to decide are, well, twofold. Does the humorous use of a trademark, not your own trademark, someone else's trademark, is that subject to the Lantham Act's test likelihood of confusion? That's normally the standard that the court looks at when evaluating trademark cases. So is it going to get the likelihood of confusion treatment or does it receive heightened First Amendment protection from trademark infringement claims? The amicus in mischief says, look, this is more like parody. This is speech. This is not just trademark infringement. So it should be treated as speech, not as trademark infringement. Then they also are asking whether the humorous use of someone else's mark on your own commercial products is a non-commercial use. I know, stay with me, a non-commercial use that bars a matter of law claim of dilution of trademarks. So pretty um, thick legal issues, but again, a very humorous amicus that also came with an arts and craft project for the Supreme Court justices to participate in. I want to say if they do, the law nerds have been doing that. If you want your own connect the dots, you need to go to lawnerdalert.com and sign up for our free email list. The link to get the distilled PDF of all of those connect the dot trademark quirky drawings is going to be sent to you from me. So go ahead and sign up for lawnerdalert.com and we will keep you in the loop there. From the Supreme Court back to the courts in Idaho. The TikTok psychic defamation case that has sprung forth from the Idaho College murders case is still going for now, even though the court had, well, the clerk had issued a notice of default and defaulted the case. The TikTok psychic representing herself went ahead pro per and filed a whole bunch of motions. The responses to those motions has been filed and I covered those. The plaintiff, the college professor in this case, is asking for the answer to be set aside because it was filed after the default. So it would strike the answer. And then also made an interesting note that they have always been able to mail service via certified mail 
to the TikTok psychic. But this time, the certified mail from UPS was returned with a statement. And that statement is, receiver did not want refused delivery. Well, I'm sure the TikTok psychic did not want that um, service, but has been served with everything else. It's not going to stop this case from moving ahead. And I think this is a case where the court might refuse to set aside the default. I'm very interested in what the court's going to do with this one. And finally, there was a hearing in the Rust case. I went over the entire 15 plus minute hearing in the Rust case. It was a status hearing to set what's going to happen next. Two hearings were set. One is the hearing with regard to the disqualification of the special prosecutor, Alec Baldwin's attorneys, arguing that wielding the power of a prosecutor and sitting as an active legislator is an unresolvable conflict and is actually a constitutional separation of powers problem because of those different branches of government and the powers that they hold. I'm very interested to see that hearing. I will be covering that live. Also, they set the date for the preliminary hearing. The preliminary hearing is where the prosecution will present evidence. The defense will also have the opportunity to present evidence, but it is not a trial. It is not a beyond a reasonable doubt standard. The judge decides if it's more likely than not that the defendants charged committed the crime and that the case has enough evidence to go forward. These things are normally fairly quick. The prosecution indicated it is going to be a two-week preliminary hearing. So it is going to feel like we are back in trial at the beginning of May. And I will be covering that when it goes to preliminary hearing. So that hearing is an evidentiary hearing to move the case forward. If the case gets dismissed at preliminary hearing, it would be a surprise. The prosecution has served the defense with a 46-person witness list. So that's going to be an interesting one. And then we also heard the defense state that the gun that was tested by the FBI has been destroyed. I've seen that construed in the media as the government somehow improperly destroyed the weapon. That's not what happened here. It was broken during testing. So we saw this in the FBI reports that they were test firing the weapon and were only able to do a few test fires before internal mechanisms broke. That's considered destroyed for the defense because they can't do their own testing on it but it hasn't been like melted down or incinerated or something like that. They can still examine it, but they won't be able to test fire it because of the damaged nature of the weapon. And with all of that, let me know if you would like me to go back and cover the weeks of testimony that I missed due to traveling with regard to QuickBits. Let me know down below how you like this format. And of course, I will link all the longer form content on the streams with multiple topics. Those are always timestamped for you so you can jump to exactly what you're interested in following. Thank you so much for being here. I love the quick bits and I will talk to you in the next one. For deep dives into the stories that I covered here, you can find them on my YouTube channel at The Emily D. Baker and The Emily Show Podcast. I stream every Tuesday and Thursday. The podcast goes live on Wednesdays. And if you want more Law Nerd community, come join us at lawnerdsunite.com.